Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last episode, we began our coverage of the testimony of Gage Grosskreutz, the third individual that Kyle Rittenhouse shot on August 25, 2020, and the only shooting victim to survive. On today's episode, we continue our look at Prosecutor Thomas Binger's direct examination of Grosskreutz. That's coming up right after the break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. As we ended our last episode, Prosecutor Thomas Binger prompted state's witness Gage Grosskreutz to explain to the jury that he was using his phone camera to stream and record events in Kenosha on August 25, 2020, through a Facebook live stream. Grosskreutz also described that he first encountered Kyle Rittenhouse as the defendant walked among a group of individuals armed with semi-automatic rifles outside the 59th Street car source dealership on Sheridan Road. Rittenhouse, the witness said, was offering medical aid to people in the crowd on the street. We begin today with Prosecutor Binger presenting a portion of Grosskreutz's recorded live stream that captures the armed individuals outside of the 59th Street car source. Later, Binger will indicate that a dumpster fire had been burning as Grosskreutz was recording these events. While we never see the defendant in the video clip, we do see two of his associates that evening, including Ryan Balch, venture into the street. We hear one of the protesters shout, how's it going? And Balch's armed associate responds, you want to fuck around and find out? We then hear a couple of the protesters chant back, you won't do it, and protect your property, not the street. After confirming that this was video recorded by the witness, Prosecutor Binger then pivots to asking Grosskreutz about his awareness of Joseph Rosenbaum. On that particular evening, and again, I'm going to ask you to try and go back and put yourself in the mindset of that night. When you're out there on the streets that evening, had you ever heard of anyone by the name of Joseph Rosenbaum? No. Had you ever met that person before? Never. Do you recall seeing Joseph Rosenbaum 
at any point that evening. I do not. In particular, right around the time of this dumpster fire um, in front of 59th Street Car Source, do you recall seeing him around that at any point? I do not. Do you recall hearing anyone make any threats to any of the people at the car source location that if I get you alone, I'm going to kill you or anything along those lines? I do not. Do you recall hearing anyone make any threats to any of those people at that car source location? I do not. Binger then asks Grosskreutz about his initial observations of Kyle Rittenhouse that evening. Do you remember any other observations that you made of the defendant when you were at the 59th Street car source? Uh, I do. Can you tell us about that? Um, I took note, like I said, there were four people essentially in, in front of me that I could see. So I took note of what they were wearing, how they were armed. Um, like I said, they were all similarly armed with a uh, similar weapon up from what the defendant used. Um, uh, some of them, uh, especially as you can see in the video, um, had uh, body armor, chest rigs, um, and then uh, I, I noted that the defendant was wearing a baseball cap, green shirt, jeans, um, and then also a rifle. At that moment in time, did you have any idea who he was? No. Never met him before? Never. Were there times in which you saw him wearing gloves on his hands? I did. When was that? Um, I recall this being right around this time um, that I noticed the defendant also wearing uh, blue latex gloves or maybe dark purple. Prosecutor Binger elicits testimony from the witness that suggests that Rittenhouse's consistent use of the same pair of surgical gloves was unhygienic and unprofessional for an EMT. The witness then explains that he moved down to the ultimate gas station at 60th Street and Sheridan Road. Binger then asks, Did there come a time in which you heard uh, gunshots? Yes. Can you tell us about that? I was uh, slightly south of uh, ultimate gas station. Um, to be very specific, I think it's Ray's Barbershop, which is either the adjacent building or one there over um, while I was recording. Um, and I had heard a uh, series of gunshots, um, what I determined to be a few blocks south of where I was. What, if anything, did you do? Um, I first sat and listened. And then after seeing and hearing people running well, I should say seeing people running northbound and then hearing people yelling medic, I started running southbound towards uh, what I uh, presumed at the time to be the, the origin of the, of the gunshots. Grosskreutz indicates that he ran about a block south on Sheridan Road, stopping between 61st and 62nd Streets. And what happened when you got down to that location? I had observed... Uh, people running northbound um, up Sheridan and again hearing people yelling for a medic but then also I started to hear people yelling that somebody had been shot so then that confirmed my my assumption that somebody did in fact get shot um, 
it was there that uh, while I was live streaming, I um, I met or had contact with, with the defendant. Finger then plays more of Grosskreutz's live stream recording. In the video, we hear gunshots, and then we see from Grosskreutz's point of view as he walks down Sheridan Road and narrates. Grosskreutz abruptly stops his narration and runs for about 20 seconds as the camera shakes in his hand. Then, as he asks an unseen person, hey, what are you doing? You shot somebody? The camera settles, and we see an individual running ahead of the camera, and we recognize him as the defendant, Kyle Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse's response is unintelligible to these ears, and Grosskreutz asks, who shot? That sounded like gunshots. That sounds like multiple gunshots. People are scattering. Now this is southbound on Sheridan. This is, I was just at 60th. Looks like they even set up a recliner. Oh, 110%, bro. Yeah, dude. 100. Hey, what are you doing? You shot somebody? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Binger then pauses the video. After the witness identifies the defendant in the clip, Binger asks him, I'm going to ask you two separate questions. First of all, going back into that moment, that interaction you just had with the defendant, what did you think at the time he said to you? At the time, I thought that he, the defendant, had said, I'm working with the police. I didn't do anything. Now that you've had a chance to review the video, do you know what he actually says? Yes. What is that? After watching the video, he said, I'm going to the police. And did he say anything else? I didn't do anything, is what I make out from... Uh, it, it's hard to hear from the, the muffling, but that's what I make out of it. I want you to try and put yourself back in the frame of that evening, when you heard him say something to the effect of, was it, I'm working with the police? Is that right? Correct. What was your reaction to that? I found it odd, and um, very noteworthy. Previously in the night, uh, an individual I had recorded, uh, Mr. Balch, um, had described some sort of plan 
with the police that they were going to um, essentially push demonstrators south down Sheridan and then past the, past the car source lot. And then from there, we're going to uh, essentially retreat or, or back up that line. And Mr. Balch had explained um, that there was some sort of understanding, some sort of plan to whatever extent that is, but that the police were going to push protesters down past the car source. And he said that then uh, the police told him that it was up to the militia members, as they refer to themselves, uh, to deal with them. When you heard the defendant say what you thought was, I'm working with the police, did that bring back that other knowledge, what Mr. Balch had said? Yes. Binger plays a bit more of the clip, and we see the POV turn away from Rittenhouse and face north for a moment before turning around and facing south again. The prosecutor then asks the witness. It appears to me, Mr. Grosskreutz, that you ran along or jogged along the defendant for a moment when you had that little interaction. Is that fair to say? That is. And then it looks like you kind of let him continue and you turn back south again. Is that fair to say? That is fair to say, yes. Why did you do that? So you hear me ask the question, who's shot? Who is shot? Um, at that moment, the only thing I was concerned about was finding this person who had been shot or presumably had been shot. Um, given that I was still north of where I thought the shots had come from, instinctually I turned, you know, did a 180 facing northbound and turned southbound because I was concerned for whoever might be potentially injured. It appears from the video, though, that you don't go very far before you turn and head back after the defendant. Would that be fair to say? That is fair to say. What changed? I've seen a, a number of people um, running um, northbound um, in the same direction as the defendant. Um, I'd started hearing people saying, he just shot that guy, he just shot somebody. Um, so, yeah. So then you turn around and head back north after the defendant. I won't say after the defendant. Um, Why did you turn around and head back north after you heard these people say these things? With what Mr. Balch had said previously, um, the, essentially the way that these um, self-proclaimed militia members were conducting themselves, the gunshots, uh, people yelling for a medic, my interaction with the defendant, or yeah, my interaction with the defendant um, and the, really the lack of information that I had gotten from him and specifically what I had thought I had heard, then coupled with this group of people um, running northbound, um, I had uh, essentially made an inference or an assumption that um, there could be potential for somebody getting injured. Um, and anytime you bring a firearm into that equation, the stakes are, are much higher um, for both serious injury and, and, and death. Based on all the factors that you just outlined for us, did you feel like 
your services might, as a medic, might be more needed in the direction the defendant was headed? Correct. What did you do after that? After I had turned around and started running in the same direction as the defendant, again, this, this, I wouldn't say that there was more people joining, but I, more people were then pointing out the defendant, saying that he had just shot somebody, uh, that he's trying to get away, get him, things of that nature. And then, so again, further inferencing from the things that I heard and experienced, witnessed earlier in the night, I thought that the defendant was uh, an active shooter. And like I had mentioned earlier, anytime you add a firearm into the equation, or it, it, like I said, that the stakes are so much higher um, for somebody potentially being seriously injured um, or being, being killed. Prosecutor Binger then replays a clip already well known to the jury. Brendan Guttenschwager's BG on the scene video of the moments just before the shootings of Anthony Huber and the witness. He pauses the clip as Huber falls over the defendant having just struck him with his skateboard. We see the witness run into frame from the right side of the screen. Binger refers to the frozen image as he asks Grosskreutz. Before this moment, had you drawn your firearm? No. Where was it? Uh, like I, I mentioned uh, at the beginning, I, I keep my pistol uh, holstered uh, in the small of my back. But don't you have it in your hand at this point? I can't see. Uh, okay. Can't see from this video. Did there come a time when you were running that you did pull your gun out? Yes. Why? Again, in the moment, uh, I, I, I thought that the defendant was an active shooter. Having been not too far behind, like you had mentioned, I'm just about to come into the, the frame here. Um, I had uh, heard several more gunshots. Um, and again, making inferences, the defendant was the only one with a large caliber rifle. Um, I'd seen an individual um, jump over the defendant, and then the defendant heard two shots, and then from there I, I saw another individual um, use his skateboard to hit the defendant, um, or hold the defendant. Either way, the individual had made contact with the defendant with his skateboard, and then from there I heard another shot, and then as you can see in this still, an individual bomb. Yeah. Surprisingly, Binger then corrects his own witness's testimony. I want to back up for a second, Mr. Grosskreutz, because we have other video that shows you pulling your gun out before those shots are fired. Um, so, you, do you remember specifically, were you intending when you pulled your gun out, were you intending to use it? If I had to, um, I, I didn't draw my firearm with a express intent of, of using it, but also being ready if I had to use it. We will pick up on the timing of Gage Grosskreutz drawing his firearm on our next installment. 
But here we will bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Join us on our next episode as we conclude our look at Prosecutor Binger's direct examination of Grosskreutz. The best way to give someone a gift they'll never forget is to give a gift they'll always use. American Giant makes clothes that just keep getting better with age, like their iconic full-zip hoodie that's designed to last for decades. And a gift they'll wear for years is a gift that keeps on giving. But American Giant makes a lot more than just hoodies. They have impossibly comfy sweaters, classic tees, soft structured sweatpants, even classic everyday denim. All made right here in the USA with a quality you'll have to feel to believe. Be a gift-giving giant this holiday season at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code GRATEFULAG23. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code GRATEFULAG23. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Karenik, and it was edited by Chris Taracone. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse.